As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Here we go, Davey. Yeah, Hooray! 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 Everybody gotta kick us when we're down. Whole city got it bad because of Mike Brown. Now we got Burrow, so the city think. Taylor's got authority to end inferiority. And welcome back to Fuck You, We Like the Bengals. I'm Alex Schubert, and sitting across from me in place of Lloyd Johnson is. I'm Danny Sandin. And for my first time here, I just want to say that, like, I feel like. I'm not back because this is my first time. This but I wanted, I want, I'm here for you in your time of need. Thank you. So thank I'm you, gonna Danny. lie to your listeners and say that I'm back. Well, you're, I mean, you're a dear friend of the podcast. You've been, um, I mean, we, we met, like, basically not even a month ago. I, we, I feel like we've known about each other. Yes, a, a little bit. Because uh, one of my dearest friends, Billy DeVore, former host of this podcast, Fuck You Like the Bengals, uh, now host of New Nasty Boys, which you uh, are basically... A frequenter. You are a, you are a frequenter. Um, and we I am to the Nasty friend. Boys as Elon Musk is to Joe Rogan. Always, <laughs> always, always watching... Okay, like I, I'm, th- I'm just there, and if not in body and spirit. Yes, you're basically, you're the. I mean, you go on. You, I mean, you're not smoking a giant blunt like Elon Musk. No, is. I'm hitting my vape pen though. <laughs> like I'm, hit, I'm, I'm hitting a weed pen at all times during that. Yes. Oh, and in case you are uh, wondering, a couple things. One, the song was "Fuck the Police" by N.W.A. Uh, because it's topical. A, very topical. And in case uh, we sound muffled. Uh, that is because why? Are, why do we sound muffled, Danny? Well, Alex, uh, I happen to. We, we both were one of uh, eight people that attended aforementioned Billy Divorce thirtieth birthday party, and I was not feeling bad that night. But I brought uh, I brought a plus one to the party, and that <laughs> plus one's name was COVID nineteen. And I made sweet love to COVID nineteen. Oh yeah! So everybody at the party pretty much like except for up, Billy, except for Billy and John Holmes and Mrs. John Holmes hooked up with my plus one COVID-19. So uh, I just got over it. Schubert, you're over it. Yep. Uh, but just... A bunch because... of our friends are over it. We're not going to say names for privacy's sake. Like, we're all doing well. We're it's... all doing well. Some people aren't. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you and I, like, I'm technically allowed to leave the house and, like, live my normal life. But, like, I don't know. Like, I'm just weirded out by it still. So... Yeah, it's like... So we're masked up. You feel like there's a stigma attached to you. Well, it's like my what, like one of my like a couple like my roommates made a couple comments like they 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 get it like they didn't mean it seriously but I was just like hey just so we're clear I take zero percent responsibility for any of this it's a global fucking pandemic yes like we're going to get it eventually yeah even if we take every precaution like and there's there's no vaccine for it yet there's no treatment for it yet except for self care which for, you know what we can all do a bit better with that yes. Like, my first, the first night that I really, like, 
the first night I had it, I'm like, you know what, I'm fine. But I, I was like, I was still pretty sick. Then a couple days later, I'm like, you know what, I'm fine, I'm over it. Then I didn't really focus on self-care. And all of a sudden, my symptoms shot up. So I'm like, uh-huh. son of a bitch, so, I got to focus. And ever since then, I've been caring for myself and I feel fine. Yeah, so thankfully, we had pretty mild cases. For me, I knew to take it like super seriously because... For me, like, I'm, like, clockwork with sleep. I sleep eight hours a night, and I don't nap. I never, ever nap. Maybe three naps a year. I don't like it. I don't need to do it. I have enough energy for my normal night's yeah. sleep. For, the, like, for like, a six-day stretch during my sickness, I was sleeping ten hours a night, and then also, like, involuntarily conking out for, like, two or three hours during the day. So I was like, okay. okay. Like, I didn't feel awful, and, like, I was, like, it was a mild case, but, again, it's, like, it's something I, I took it seriously, and, like, I feel like because both, and also, like, the fact that you you are a comic and I work uh, for the listeners that don't know I work in the music industry as a merchandiser. Yeah, you so. want to tell some stories on this podcast? Are your favorites, or uh, we can get into that in a later date. In a later date, I'm already a little bit moist, but uh, mm. so uh, I uh, like I feel like our immune systems are like pretty robust, but like it still like kind of took something out of us. And you know what? I will tell a COVID story right now. Okay. You know what is actually a good part of COVID? Were you, like, short of breath at all? Like, was it, like, a bit of a struggle for you to breathe? Not really. Okay, so for me, like, it, it wasn't, like, terrible. Like, it wasn't something that I wanted to go to the hospital about. But, like, I was noticeably out of breath. Like, if I climbed the stairs, like, okay. I would be like, oh, wow, like, it's definitely, like, I feel that. So, with that, one plus one equals two. Jerking off with COVID fucking rules. Like, <laughs> it's so, it was so tight. It was so awesome. I was, like... Basically, like, if I, like, really let it rip, I was, like, struggling to breathe by the end of it. I was like, yo, this is fucking sick. I get why every celebrity dies from this. Let me, let me add on to that. So part of, part of my code was, like, having your head spin a little bit. Yeah. It's like if you do too much. When you, uh, when you jerk off, I mean, we can talk about this, because I feel weird talking about it, but we're going to get open about it. Um, Who cares? When you, Everybody jerks when, off. Yeah. When you jerk off and you... Come. <laughs> Commies. Um, Billy got me to say that a lot. It's so much fun. Oh, it's a great word. Commies. <laughs> Commies is great. But we're all adults. Uh, but when you jerk off and you finish, your head spins. Yeah. When you have COVID and you do shit, your head spins. Combine the two. Exactly. Holy shit. Yeah, it feels like you're having like a stroke or something. It's great. Yeah. It's like your legs are shaking. It's like, oh, this is like... I might as it it fills the void of me not being able to bone right now. Yeah, exactly. Like you know what? Like that was a welcome addition to that painful, annoying week of having COVID. Like you got to find the silver linings and everything. COVID is basically the, the equivalent of me sitting on my hands. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> it's like a viral stranger, <laughs> which is how we, which is how I got COVID. I imagine that I got it at a protest. Like I was masked up and everybody was, but like. I don't see another scenario that I would have gotten it, and then you got it for me. So you didn't yeah. get a viral stranger. You got a viral intrusion. I got a viral stranger. Ha-ha. Yeah, because I, I mean, we'll talk about the protest, too, because I got it. I tested negative the previous day. Like, the, the yeah. previous day, so I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in the clear. And I went to the party, and we're all healthy. We're all feeling good. Then all of a sudden, like, a bunch of us come down with COVID. But I think a lot of us are recovering, and... We're not going to die. This was weird because this was the first time, like, when my symptoms flared up, it was the first time where I was like, I could die. It was a weird thought that I had. Uh, was that the first time in your life you thought, okay, I'm legitimately might die right now? Second. Yeah, it's a weird feeling. 
The first time was when I got in a head-on car collision. Fuck. And I was thankfully not going very fast. The other guy was. I was thankfully wearing my seatbelt. I, I escaped with a few minor bruises. Was it my fault? I wasn't looking. But I was like turning into an oncoming lane to turn into a business. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And car hit me fucking head on. And it, like, my fucking life flashed before Dude, my eyes. I, like, well, I guess this is an impromptu tour story. Like, there have been a few times where, like, either a tire's blown or, like, the bus has gotten hit by a drunk driver or something. Oh. And, like, when you're in your bunk and, like, you hear, like, you feel the swerving and, like, you hear, like, the tire pop and you, like, feel the poof. Or, like, oh. so, like, I had one time, like, uh, a drunk driver clipped the trailer and, like, broke one of the tires. For a tour bus? Yeah. And then came back, swerved back in, and got, like, locked up with the trailer. Which oh. actually, like, that actually, like, it caused a lot of damage, but it's, like, I think it actually helped because, like, because he was locked into it, like, it wasn't that he just slammed into it and the trailer, like, flipped over or anything with the bus. Okay. It's just, like, he helped stabilize it. But, like, it's still, like, when you're just laying in a pitch black bunk and you feel the bus swerving all over the highway, like... Yeah, you, you questioned some choices you made. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I forgot to ask for forgiveness from some people. Yeah. I'll see you in hell and I'll ask it then. Yeah, but, uh, but we made ourselves better people. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess that's a good segue into uh, the whole current state of affairs. Like, I don't know, like, we, we were talking before this. It's like, I feel like any piece of content that comes out right now, it's important to, like, stress, like, Football doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. Not No sports matter. Really. No. Like, the NBA is even, like... Dwight Howard said something today about, like, they don't want to play or something like that because... Some it, of them like, are saying that, yeah, they don't want to take attention off of BLM and everything going on. Which, it's like, huge. I mean, I... That's not my... Like, I, I think... I, I, I see both sides of it. I think that if you can, like, get the league to be like, hey... We want to make statements. We want to use this platform of the entire world watching us play basketball to, like, help this yeah. cause. Cool. But otherwise, like, if it's just going to be, like, back to, quote-unquote, back to normal, just regular broadcast with, like, the commentator saying a couple things and, like, the players wearing, like, a pregame shirt, like, yeah. you have or to do more than or, that. And a lot of the players are saying, like, Baker Mayfield said he's going to kneel. Kyler Murray said he's going to yeah. kneel. And by saying, I just have this thought, by saying you're going to kneel, you're essentially already kneeling. Oh, exactly. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's preseason kneeling. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it's like there's so much more important stuff going on, but it's like, I don't know. I think it's good to use, uh, it's good to use whatever platform you have to, to add to that conversation. And it's like, uh, I think that some of the stuff we'll get into about Burrow eventually, like in the next little bit, like, it can kind of feed into it just because, like, I mean, I don't, I can't, like, he has, 
as far as, like, every white person out there, Joe Burrow is, like, leading the fucking charge. What he said right when all this started, like, he was one of the first celebrities. He was, that's right. He was one of the first celebrities to make a statement. And he just got it, dude. He just hit the nail on the head. Right away. And he hasn't really had to do much besides just, like, his, him and Taylor and, and uh, Brian Callahan are already, like, I read The Athletic, they're already on the same page about everything. Mm-hmm. I love that. And so basically Burrow's like, sports aren't important right now. What isn't, I mean, granted, he's about to take the lead of a franchise that could move if things don't go great. Uh-huh. Yep. That's but he's, that's a whole other conversation. And Lloyd and I have had that conversation a few times. I fucking hate Paul Doherty, but he actually wrote a piece about that, how, like, this is the Bengals, like, actual last year. I read that. I actually agree with it. I hate Doherty, but I agree with that take. He's a very, very charismatic guy. uh, And uneducated. The what? Uneducated as well. (laughs) All of his baseball takes are just horrible and zero zero knowledge behind them. Anyway. Yeah, but back to our original point about, like, people, like, about, like, people doing, like, the Black Lives Matter takes. Like, Burrow was like, we need to support... Let me find, well, let's, let's just read this tweet, because... It I mean, was perfect. And I, I, I'm glad, like, I'm glad well, that we're talking about this, because, like, I remember you said that Lloyd is not a big Burrow guy yet. He's not, it's not that he dislikes me, he's just not, he's not completely sold. sold. He right, would ra- He would rather have had Chase Young and Tua, which I don't know... That's not he, possible. It's not possible. And also, like, we'll, we'll get into that, but Burrow tweeted this on May 29th. The black community needs our help. They have been unheard for far too long. Open your ears, listen, and speak. This isn't politics. This is human rights. 106,000 retweets, 442,000 likes. Yeah. And I think my favorite response to it was somebody, like, posted, like, a Joe Burrow, like, Madden stat sheet, and it said, Awareness, 99. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. It's great. But, uh, no, like, so that kind of brings us, like, you and I had this discussion well, fuck the hell up at Billy's house. But oh, the yeah. thing with Joe Burrow that's so fascinating to me and impressive to me is we basically we call it galaxy brain. Yep, right we went into this. We like I'm still kind of fuzzy on what the concept of a galaxy brain is, but I I understand what who athletes are that have a galaxy. So brain. to me, explain what the galaxy sure. brain is. What to me, what the galaxy brain is? It's when an athlete transcends sports in a way that. They're just hyper aware of humanity, and like, at, like for example, LeBron James. He is so much more than a basketball player, and part of why he's a great basketball player is because he's just aware of humanity, and he's aware of his impact, and he encourages his teammates to be the same way, and all of his teammates respect him and are on that side. Michael Jordan, same thing to a lesser extent with like the humanitarian side of humanity. Yeah, he's but a he, notorious he is, dick. He's a notorious dick, but he. I think that every one of his teammates to a T will say, yeah, he brought out the best in us. Yep. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, the reason why the Patriots dynasty is the greatest in any sport is because of the fact that you have two of those galaxy brain people just really clicking, and they both are masters of humanity. Yep. They're incredible. Foot- they're, he's, Belichick and all these players, Like when I say masters of humanity, like obviously you have to be a fantastic world-class athlete. That's a prerequisite for just getting in the league. Yes. But like being able to understand humanity... And it's not just being a good teammate. It's just this giant understanding of how shit works. Yep. And Joe Burrow has that. Like, going back to, like, I have never seen it before. So, so for example, Ohio State has had some loaded quarterback rooms. Yep. If you look at Tate Martell, yeah, like, some you'll see some of his former Ohio State teammates, like, posting stuff about him or whatever. Joe Burrow, when he was at LSU, 
Like, so many Buckeye players, both in the NFL and just graduated, would yeah. go to his games. It did help that JT, Michael Thomas played for the Saints. No, sure, but, like, Michael Thomas, like, JT Barrett showed up wearing a Joe Burrow jersey. No like, shit. Like, they love him to death, even though he transferred. And then, like, when he went to LSU, him understanding, and it's also, it's willing to challenge yourself. So, like, as we were talking about the other day, he had he was choosing between University of Cincinnati and LSU. Yep. If he goes to UC, who knows if this happens? I don't think it does. No. Yes, that's no. Fickle's a great coach, but he, he certainly doesn't win the Heisman. No, because like that's the thing. Like, yes, he had like an okay first year at LSU, but this is where the gap. This is why LSU wasn't just the best team in college football last year. This is why they're the best offense in college football history. Yep. Because obviously, I'm not trying to compare Joe Brady and Ed Orgeron to Bill Belichick. Prefacing that this by this take by saying that, Go but Joe Burrow is fully aware of who he is and what he isn't good at. Ed Orgeron perfectly aware of who he is and what he isn't good at. They both met in the middle and said, "This is how we fucking win," and brought in Joe Brady. And obviously, I'm not saying that Joe Burrow hired Joe Brady, but the no. fact that they were both fully aware of what their strengths and weaknesses are, and just that's what the Galaxy brand is. It's self awareness. That is just at the umpteenth level. I think my favorite example of that was when um, Burrow's hand size came out. And then yeah. Burrow was like, oh my god, my hands are small. I'm going to have to retire. Yeah. Like, who, like, just, yeah, I know my hands are small. Watch what I do. And, like, just when he would get sacked and then, like, I think it was against Vanderbilt or something, he got sacked and immediately stands up and holds up a five <laughs> to stand for 500 yards of offense that he's putting up on them. <laughs> it's not cockiness. It's self-awareness. Like, it would be cocky if somebody else did it, but no, Joe Burrow is actually going to do that. <laughs> yeah. I but, mean, uh, you can do that when your entire team is going to go to the NFL and you're playing Vanderbilt. Sure, exactly. But, like, it, it, the supporting cast helped, but Joe Burrow is just the way, and, and also the part of it is he didn't attend class. He was in, he was a grad student taking nine credit hours. During his senior season. Yes. During his junior season, he was taking classes. He was, he was only online. He was only online classes still, but, like, it was more than that. Okay. But... During his senior year, uh, he was basically preparing himself in so many ways to be a pro. He was in there running film with Brady and Orgeron every day. He would wake up, crank out however couple hours. It was nine credit hours. Like, it's not much at all. It's three classes. Yeah, so he had so much time to run film and do all that, and he structured his day like a pro quarterback, yep. and that's why he was able to make those games. The biggest thing that you'll see in any pro sport the biggest like physical and mental gain you'll see across the board is a player's rookie year because that's the first time that they're being a professional. They don't have to worry about school. They don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah. And Joe Burrow, for all intents and purposes, had like 75% of a rookie NFL And year. they're making money, finally. The Well, yeah, that too. Like, they can, yeah. they can buy, they can pay. For, like, I mean, if you're at like a good school, like LSU... I would say that the amenities they have and, like, the training facilities and, like, the food and stuff, I would say it's pretty comparable to an NFL team. But, like, still, just the time commitment. Like, you're you're working out when you have time. You aren't prior... Like, it's a priority, obviously, but when you're a pro and that offseason, like, you are literally only working out. Like, look at any of the red... Like, look at any baseball player on their Instagram during the offseason. That's literally all they're doing is throwing weights around. And, like... Yep. Joe Burrow basically had 75% of a rookie year already in an NFL system. Joe Brady got hired immediately. Yep. He's an offensive coordinator now. And for the Panthers. Yeah. Like, that's not like, it's not like he just 
got like a head coaching job at Toledo or something. No, he is the OC for an NFL team. Yeah, he went from was he the OC for LSU, right? He was the passing game coordinator. That's a big jump. It's not though because of the way that LSU structured it. Like yeah. that's that's another thing. Just the self Orgeron himself is a galaxy brain guy because like it's again he's fully aware of what he can and can't do. So like an example yeah. from the NFL, uh, when Har- when John Harbaugh drafted Lamar Jackson. So nine times out of ten, referencing RG three, referencing uh, Josh Rosen, referencing Mitch Trubisky. When a team drafts a quarterback, they say, okay, we drafted this quarterback because we think he will fit our team well. When the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh said he had the self-awareness to say, okay, I'm a special teams coach. That's how I came up. I don't know. I'm not an offensive guy. Okay, we're going to bring up Greg Roman to be our offensive coordinator, and we are going to tailor... Keep going, keep going. We're going to tailor this entire offense around Lamar Jackson. We're not going to fit Lamar Jackson into being a Raven. We're going to fit the Ravens into being Lamar Jackson. Because, and think about the change they had to make, because their previous quarterback was Joe Flacco, uh-huh. who the is a pure passer. So he's just, I mean, he, Flacco had a good arm, but he was a below-average quarterback. Yeah. So and think about how many quarterbacks who have like, giant arms like that are below average. Uh-huh. And Flacco's a great example. Go ahead. So, no, that, that, that's the thing. It's like, that's why I'm high on Burrow, because he has a brain that works like that. And you made this point yesterday about Zach Taylor, like, about him possibly bringing some of that Rams gumbo over to Cincinnati. Yeah. That's what I thought, like, when the Rams were really fucking good, the reason they were good is because they just had that mentality of, we're going to put... We're going to put the right pieces in the right places, and we're going to fit our team around our talent. We're not going to fit our talent into the team. So that's why when I look at the Bengals, like, I don't know if Zach Taylor is a good coach. I know that, A, he's getting free agents to buy in, which yep. is huge. But, B, like, I think that if, if he can be self-aware enough to know what his strengths and weaknesses are, and Burrow is, like, I have no doubt in my mind that, like, if Burrow doesn't agree with something, they're going to hash it out. He's not going to just sit, sit yeah. there and be a rookie. It's Joe Burrow. He is a leader of men. He's already a professional. He's older than Lamar Jackson. Uh-huh. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think, I, I think uh, Paul Denner made this take. This year, I think that 8-8, eight and eight, I think that a 500 season is probably, like, the goal this it's year. It's feasible. But, like... Watch out after this year. Like, I'm not trying to sit here and say that Joe Burrow is going to be the best quarterback of all time. It's, but it's I would be say. shocked if he isn't an absolute stud. And I think Me he's going to be better than Tua by a wide margin. So, yes. We, so, Considering, I think the Bengals have more around Burrow from a skill position perspective than the Dolphins have around Tua. Absolutely. But also, part of why I like Burrow so much and part of what goes into the Galaxy brain, anyone that has it has struggled. Joe Burrow has struggled. He has tried his ass off to climb up the depth chart at Ohio State, and then he had to transfer to LSU and immediately win over a locker room. That's a struggle. Tua hasn't struggled at all. He was riding the bench because he was young, and then Saban puts him in, and he balls out. And I'm not trying to say that Tua's a bad Didn't quarterback. did Tua come in like midway through the national yes. championship game? Yes. Yep. And so, he immediately, like, Tua Tagovailoa, his debut, he's immediately on top of the world. Uh-huh. So, like, A... A, he has an extensive injury history, but B, he's going to get his ass beat in Miami, oh, and yeah. I don't think he responds well to it because he's never struggled. If you look at all these Galaxy brand people, Tom Brady, low draft pick, 
George Kittle, low draft pick. Oh, yeah. Bill Belichick, grinded his way up like anybody else. Nick Saban, grinder. LeBron James, single-parent home, poverty. Joe Burrow, obviously he didn't struggle, like, financially. Like, his dad was a football coach, like, but he was surrounded by struggle, and he understood the humanitarian aspect. He of hasn't been handed things his entire life. No, he had to bite and claw just because his dad was a football coach, and just because he, yeah, he had a privileged life, and he'll admit that. Yeah. Especially compared to the surrounding area in Athens, he had to claw and kick and scream to get anything done, and that's why he's the fucking. Man. I love it, and it's like Ryan Leaf, for example. He was handed things his entire life. There was a running joke at Washington State. Like, what's the difference between God and Ryan Leaf? Uh, God doesn't think he's Ryan Leaf. <laughs> wow. Uh, and like, in another example, uh, Jameis Winston. Yeah. The reason why he's so bad is because up until he signed with New Orleans, up until this last year, there was zero self-awareness. So I just finished a book called Future Value about baseball scouting. And there was a story in it. They were talking about character and how it's hard to, like, you can't put, like, a grade on character and on yes. intangibles, but you know when something's good and you know when something's bad. So there was a scout at Florida State watching Jameis Winston pitch, and he could just, he got a weird vibe. Like, the dugout didn't care when he did anything. Jameis's body language was off. Like, if a catcher, like, didn't, like, make a clean grab, like, he had not bad body language. And the, the dugout just didn't give a shit. Like, they were not engaged when Jameis was on the mound. Yep. So he goes down there trying to overhear and see if he can hear something. And he talked to, there was a, mo a mom of one of the players standing next to him. And he said, hey, what's up with Jameis? Like, it seems like nobody really gives a shit. She said, yeah, no, nobody likes him. He thinks he's too good for, to be on this team. <laughs> and then she looked back and all the other moms nodded. That's the thing. There's just no self-awareness there. I don't care how good you are. You are you chose to be on that team. That means that you are part of it. You are like you're not too good for it. If you were, you wouldn't be there. Yeah. If you were too good for it, you would have been drafted already. Yep. And he because uh, he led the NFL in passing yards, but that's not because of Jameis Winston. That because that's because of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Arians. That filthy ass receiver core in, in, in the system. Like, and they also didn't have a fucking running back. Ronald Jones is garbage. And uh, Peyton Barber is not much better. No. So, like, I don't, like, and people say that all the time, like, I mean, he led the league in passing yards, who cares? Like, I don't when care. When you can lob it to two of the better receivers in the league. Yeah, he threw 30 interceptions. They That's are going terrible. To, they are going to make a 30 for 30 called 30 for 30. <laughs> like, that's not okay. Like, and that's the thing, like, finally he has some self-awareness, so maybe he can save his career, but, like, another example of that, like, Michael Vick, incredible athlete, yeah. incredible football player, he didn't have that self-awareness until after he got out of jail. Yep. And, like, 100%. that's what, like, you saw a different player, like, and obviously in so many ways, because he did time in jail, obviously you're not going to be as good almost as two years. But, like, you saw a different human and a different player. Like, there are so many players, like, it's just that self-awareness, and, like, there's a line between cockiness and thinking your shit doesn't stink, and understanding... Everything about yourself and your situation and your team. Yeah, Kobe is Kobe wrote that line a little bit differently than everybody else. Like I feel like Kobe had that awareness of how to make a team better. But to be fair to him, there were a lot of times where the only way to make the team better was to just take the ball and score every play. Yes. So that's a bit of a different case. But like, do you okay? Here's another galaxy brain player that I thought of that I meant to bring up. Do you think Shaq had a galaxy brain? I think it's. I think he did 
I think that Shaq on those Lakers teams, he was he didn't start the issues. I feel like, but then like especially later in his career when he floated around and like oh, was like yeah. kind of title hunting at the end, and especially on the Heat too. Like tour after the Lakers portion of his career, I think he really understood that component of just like being a teammate and not necessarily being a role player, but not you don't have the best guys as far as guys that are the guy. The best ones know that they don't have to be the guy all the time. Like, LeBron James, he started winning. Like, okay, again, like, the supporting cast got better. But the reason why those Heat teams were so good were because he didn't have to be the guy all the time. Because he had D-Wade. Yeah, he had D-Wade, he had Chris Bosh. Kobe, the Lakers were the best. Like, again, sometimes the Lakers were the best because Kobe knew he had to be the guy. What about Russell Westbrook? Would you put him on that list? Absolutely not. Russell Westbrook is one of the most selfish basketball. I love Russell Westbrook. I love watching him play. Even with all the... Because he averages a triple-double. Well, yeah, but also, like, again, it's because... Like, with Russell Westbrook, it's not... He's, he's not averaging a triple-double because he's making the team better. He's averaging a triple-double because he's literally the only... He, he has the ball on his hands, like, two-thirds of the time. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to talk shit. I love watching Russell Westbrook play. I think it's fascinating. But, like... Okay. Look at the way... Like, look at the way LeBron gets triple-doubles. Look at the way Russell Westbrook gets triple-doubles. Yeah. Like, it's it's just different. It's like, I, again, I love Russ. I think he's a fascinating human being and also a basketball player. But, like, I think it's different. But, like, anyways, like, with Burrow, it's like, he just fucking gets it. He and gets like, it. That's the thing. It's like, everything that he's ever done, like, when... It, so, a lot of times, like, when people, like, the term virtue signaling... Like, yep. when people, a lot of times, like, you'll see athletes, like, make a very milquetoast, bland post or statement just to, like, it seems like they're just crossing their T's and dotting their I's. Oh, yep. here's something happening in society. Let's just get a statement out there so no one can accuse me of being on the wrong side of it and move on. Yep. Joe Burrow doesn't do that. He was first, he, he jumped out there the second yep. that, pe- the second that George Floyd was murdered and protests started, he was first one there. And then beyond that, his Heisman ceremony. The it's gonna be that's gonna be one of the best moments of his life. What he gave it to his community. The first, th- you know, the first people he thanked. Oh, and his parents. His O line. He thanked his O line. He thanked Coach O. He said he gave he, that. He cried when he thanked Coach. Dude, o. and it's, that's the thing. It's not that he thanked people. It's that he gave that moment to them. He used that to say, "Give Coach O an extension." And then at the end of his speech, he gave half of that moment to his community back in Athens. That's incredible, and that's not virtue signaling. That's somebody that just fucking gets... Like, he understands how to weaponize his platform and voice for good. Yeah. And, like, that's what a LeBron does. That's what a Tom Brady can do. Like, just understanding everything as well as football, like, that's the difference, and that's why I'm so high on that. Do you think Kaepernick does that? I think that Kaepernick... I think he did... But I also think that he did it in a more abrasive way, and I am I am not trying to. Yeah. I I am completely on team Cap. So but I, I think that the difference is, is that Kaepernick ruffled a lot. He very intentionally ruffled a lot of feathers. I think that anybody at any point that said that it was about anybody at any point that had the take it's disrespectful to the flag and the troops is an absolute moron. Yeah. Because he very crystal clearly said this is why I'm, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. They're just saying, like, oh, it's about uh, um, the flag because it fits our agenda. Yeah. If you if you make that take, you just are not an intelligent human being, period. But. You're just making it about what you want it to exactly. be about. But I feel like the way that he navigated that, like, again, 
more, I, I'm firmly Team Kaepernick. I love him. I think he did an incredible thing. But he was abrasive about it. And, I, and like, I, I know that saying that, like, opens up, like, a can of words, like, oh, he's just abrasive because he's black. No, like, I just think that he was abrasive with it. And I'm not saying that's the wrong thing. I I'm think, just saying that that's why there was a different response. I think part of the reason why he was so abrasive about it is because he had to make it. Exactly. No, I agree entirely. Like, uh, I get into this discussion a lot when people, like, are saying, yeah, I'm all for peaceful protests, but, like, what's with the property damage? Well, look, man, like, when somebody's been trying to talk to you for hundreds of years and you refuse to listen, more power to you. You gotta make noise some other way. The old, the old Martin Luther King quote, a riot is the language of the unheard. Uh -huh. So that's the, uh, that's the thing with, uh, with Kaepernick. Like, I feel like it was his, it was his, it was a peaceful protest, but people perceived it as a riot. And I think that he, I think that everybody knew that would happen, especially him. And yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he should have gone about anything differently. I think that the way everything went down created so much conversation. I like I like to think that it did too. And the people that are detracting, like here's a, something I want to post on Facebook so bad, but I've like every, a lot of things are stopping me because I'm a little bit of a bitch. When people say all lives matter, it's white, it's the way that, it's a saying that white people use to feel like they're acknowledging black lives without actually oh, no. directly no. acknowledging black lives I, I just I disagree entirely. I think that when people say all lives matter, it's a direct counter to the black lives matter movement. Because the thing is, the response to that is, hey, yeah, the point of black lives matter is that every life matters. But all lives, it is not possible for all lives to matter. Exactly. Until black lives matter. Yeah. And like, it's no different... Saying all lives matter is no... Why is my mask just falling down now? But uh, <laughs> saying all lives matter is no different than saying that Kaepernick's protest was disrespectful to the flag. You are just willfully not getting it. And, like, yeah. here's the thing. Okay, sure. If you want to say all lives matter, I don't want to see you celebrating... I don't want to see you mourning on 9-11. I don't want to see you celebrating anyone's birthday. Because if everyone's... If you think, like that everybody being equal is what that means, then don't, don't, don't mourn on 9-11. Yeah. Don't do that, because all buildings matter, you know? Like, one of my fuck up. One of my favorite takes is a lot of the people that say all lives matter are, the, are the, also the same people who only say Merry Christmas. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's just, it's no different than saying that Kaepernick's protest, because it's just willful ignorance. Like, yes, obviously we're not, saying Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that we want to kill all the white people, including ourselves. We're saying Black, Black Lives Matter means that they currently don't. It's clear that they don't. Yeah. Our country does not value Black Lives. Period. Yes. So all lives, it saying all lives matter is a fairy tale because it's not true and it won't be true until Black Lives Matter. Exactly. And that's what we're trying because we've been. You and I have. You've been to protests, right? A lot. Yeah, because when I went to my first one um, at the end of May, and. When I got there, it was like 7 o'clock, and a bunch of people, they had, I, when I got to, it was like Inwood Park in Clifton, and I got there, and a bunch of people were kneeling, and they had their fists in the air, just doing like a silent, like, respectful thing for Black Lives Matter. And when I got to, uh, at the end of that, they said, um, we're going to go down to the courthouse later on, and it's going to be a peaceful demonstration. Our message is going to be peaceful. Because when you have, um, I mean, you had your rides, so people were listening, but then all of a sudden, even if there are peaceful protests, people are like, oh, they're still rioting, they're still looting. That's annoying as fuck! Uh-huh. And well, then, so, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, it's like, 
again, like, I don't give a shit about the looting because, God, if I if my entire race was being oppressed by every single level of the government and of society like it is in this country, I don't give a shit. If, if black people want to riot, if people want to be heard that way, more power to you. I'm not going to do it. Like, go for it. Like, the one thing I will say, like, what I don't get about it, about the looting, like, again, do you, I'm not anti-looting by any means, but what I don't understand is why people made it a point to loot and destroy local small businesses in OTR when, when you have, like, Great American, Kroger, like, GE, like, just down the street. When Cincy shirts got their glass destroyed, it hit different for me. It, I mean, it did for me in some way, but, like, I, I'm not saying that every small business owner should have this mentality, but I read, an article, I read like, a quote from a, this guy that, owned an, that owns an Indian restaurant in Minnesota. His store was looted, or his, his restaurant was destroyed, everything. He said, I'm proud to sacrifice my restaurant for this cause. That Fuck fucking yeah. rules. Fuck yeah. But, so, yeah, um, I don't know if you did, but I... Uh... Spent a night in the slammer because of oh boy, I have I did not I me and uh, I won't name names just for I don't because yeah just because I'm yeah yeah I don't want to put do you want to do the reads first before we talk about this oh yeah we should probably do the ad reads because we're like almost done with the podcast oh we got more time um but yeah uh here we go. Yeah, so we'd like to thank our uh, sponsors <laughs> right before I talk, right after I talk about being a hard-earned criminal. Um, we'd like to thank our uh, sponsors, Armchair Media. They uh, sponsor uh, uh, Fuck You Like the Bengals, our friends at the New Nasty Boys, which Danny appears on free, pretty frequently, um, and a bunch of other podcasts. So it's the fucking best. Um, do you do bet online at all? Have you tried it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I feel like I could probably use a better site because I keep losing. <laughs> do you have any? Do you have any ideas of a website I could use to place bets online? Uh, uh, bet online. Oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, with NASCAR, UFC, and golf coming back, coming back, Bet Online has hundreds of games and events to bet on. They have live and simulated sports, as well as a ten thousand dollar Madden bracket challenge you can enter for free. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device. To check out the action, Bet Online is your online wagering solution. That reminded me that my friend in Vancouver owes me four Canadian dollars for a Madden Sim bet. That like <laughs> how does that? Okay, so how does a it's, Madden Sim? I bet hate work? it. It's dumb. It's literally just a Sim, and you bet on it. Oh, that's like, stupid. It's like you can bet on like over under, just like rushing yards, like over under on like individual players' yards and touchdowns. Stuff. It's so dumb. <sighs> that's what sports is. That's what this is. That's what the world has come to. Because there's no sport. Betting on Madden. Betting on Madden. Betting on Madden. Betting on what? South Korean baseball? I mean, I'm down with that. You know I'm down with that. Have you been watching South Korean baseball? I'll watch highlights in the morning and stuff. It's just, I'm not going to wake up for it. Like, it's, yeah. it's it's good ball, you know? Like, there's there's some former major leaguers. Dan Straley, a former Red, is on He was the, uh, in the Luis deal. Yes. He's on a, he's over there, like... It's it's good baseball. It's like it's the equivalent of like double A and a half, basically. It's like somewhere between okay. double and triple A. Man, I can totally get on board with that, especially since the former Reds on there now. Yeah, Dan Straley. Go go go, Lottie. I think it's Lottie. L O T T E Giants. But uh, they're also an interesting okay. team because this uh, former uh, writer for Fangraphs and the Athletic, Sun Min Kim, he went over there and he's like in the front office and like does player development stuff and kind of brought like 
American player development over to that team. So, and like, it's it's just really cool. It's Fuck a good yeah. story. He's a good um, guy. I don't know him personally, but we have a bunch of mutual friends, and they all say he's a good guy, so I'll trust them, I guess. Yeah. So do you think, okay, so do you think football is coming back this year? I think that the NFL is of the mindset politically and of the power socially and legislatively that they will bully their way back. Yeah. Even if no one, like, even, let, let's just say that the NBA, let's just say hypothetically, I really hope this doesn't happen, but let's just say that hypothetically other sports come back and then shut down, the NFL will not. The NFL will bully their way through any of this. Yeah, they're going to power... Because the Texans and Cowboys, I believe, had a bunch of players test positive. Uh-huh. The other thing with the NFL is that it's slowly but surely changing, but the players have no power at all in that league. That's in baseball, In baseball, they are struggling to bring power back. Basketball, the players run the show, which is awesome. Yeah. But in the NFL, I don't... like. They also just choose not to use power. Like, Tom Brady never said shit. Kate Manning really never said shit. The players have no power at all. And I think only yeah. recently you're seeing, like, the young crop of athletes. Like, the Black Lives Matter video that, like, Thomas, Zeke, Mahomes, all of them. I think Odell part was part Odell, of Odell, yeah. That video was fucking awesome. And yeah. that was them finally, like, weaponizing their platform. Because, like, I don't know, like, people... With baseball's labor negotiations right now, and I think it bleeds over to other stuff, Joe Everyman, no matter how much he loves the Dallas Cowboys, he will never be able to relate to Zeke Elliott or Dak Prescott. Because no matter what, it's it's very hard for a human being to comprehend the amount of work that professional athletes put into being professional athletes, first of all. But and have all, put in their entire lives. But if, if somebody can't comprehend that, then all they see is, Oh yeah, some fucking schmuck playing sports for a living. Fuck him. Like he's he's lucky. He should. I would do it for free. <laughs> okay, then do it. I've only heard of one pro athlete saying they play for free, and that was Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, well, he also like needed if he wanted to play football anymore, he needed to play for free because which was the, bad. The, which he's. I mean, that ship has long since sailed because the number two pick that year, Calvin Johnson, and actually, and the number three pick, Joe Thomas, have both retired. Dude, so. Speaking of that era of football, I saw an amazing statistic the other day. Okay. So, you know how everybody talks about Joe Thomas is one of the greatest Ironman in NFL history? Didn't he only not play one snap? And that was the end of his career, yeah. So, DeBrickashaw Ferguson would have broken the record for consecutive snaps. He played literally every snap but one in his career. And do you want to know the one snap he didn't play? It was a bullshit fumble ruski at the end of a game where they put Antonio Cromartie at left tackle. <laughs> the guy with 86 kids. So, like, nobody under, nobody appreciates DeBrickashaw Ferguson because he missed one snap. That The only thing people appreciate about DeBrickashaw Ferguson is his name. It's a beautiful name. That it's guy was so a, good. Dude, that was, those Jets teams were fun, man. DeBrickashaw Ferguson, that was like... That, That's when Mark I, Sanchez was kind of fun. So, I think that that era of Jets football, those were my favorite Madden teams ever. Because you had just a ball-and-ass O-line with DeBrickshaw Ferguson and Nick Mangle. But Did then, you have like, Braylon Edwards on that team, too? I don't know, but you had Brad Smith, the former Missouri quarterback, at receiver. That's so right. You could, oh, I remember him. So I would him. just do, like, wide receiver passes and just, like, shred, just shred people. If I'm not mistaken, Brad Smith, the Bengals played the Jets in a, in a playoff game in 9 And I think Brad Smith was the guy that killed the Bengals. I think so. That sounds right. Yeah, I remember that oh. name. I love that era. 
Yeah, I think I think the Bengals also had former Jet Lavernius Coles that year. Lavernius Coles, what a stud! That's a that, God. A lot of fun names in that era, and fun names in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of be like of sports. Like I follow the NFL. Like yeah, I follow the NBA the least. Like I I'm just like kind of catching up to the Bengals since they drafted Burrow. Because I'm like, all right, I'm gonna actually watch this team this year. Uh, so. They made some. They finally got some free agents. Yes, there were some players besides this rookie, or even including in the rookie class. Obviously, besides Joe Burrow, because we've talked about him in the Who are some players that you're excited to see this year? Uh, I was excited to see this guy last year. He did pretty well. Huh. Um, AJ Green. Yeah, well, obviously AJ <laughs> Green. I'm big on Auden Tate. Yeah, I like him a lot. Do you, you know Auden Tate a lot? I just don't think he's going to see the field much. Yeah, especially since T Higgins got drafted. Yeah, and there's so much more star power with. Uh, AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross. I so badly want John Ross to do well. So, some Paul Denner in his athletic piece had a good point that like this is the fi- like th- oh, if there's a I'm year wondering. for John Ross to do well, it's this year because Burrow can buy time in the pocket, which Dalton can't. He has a beautiful deep touch, and then it's like he's gonna be the fourth guy on the depth chart. It's like it, he's not gonna get doubled ever because again, if Green's healthy, it's Green. Green and Higgins outside, Boyd in the slot. When Ross is on the field, he's only going to be running go routes or mesh routes. A hundred percent. And the difference, a big difference between Burrow and Dalton, I rarely saw Dalton hit a guy in stride. No, God no. Dalton I, had. No I've work. brought up this point so many times, but I like Dalton didn't barely had a good deep touch. No, I no. liked Dalton a lot. Quick release. He was a great quarterback. Like if your receiver's like fifteen yards downfield, but if it's like. That's what Palmer did well. Palmer had a gorgeous stink ball. Dude, Carson Palmer was such a stud. Oh, my God. In his heyday with the Bengals, like third year in the NFL, top five quarterback. Easily. Dude, that chemo on Olhoffman playoff year, that's one of the weirdest sports. Like, I was full, like, I was riding for the Bengals. Like, I used to be a huge Bengals fan. Like, I've taken the last, like, six years off just because, like, I'm fucking over it. But, like, I'm... A cu- I'm a cuck for Joe Burrow. So. <laughs> like, he's literally the background of my phone. He, he is. He has been for, like, months now. Yeah, I remember I remember that 05 team so much. I remember I went to uh, two games that year. One of the games was the year, or not the year, was the game that Chad proposed to the cheerleader. Oh, my God. And they actually lost that game, if I'm not mistaken. That may, I mean, that makes sense. Dude, I, I, I don't know. I think that there's a difference between, like, being, like, a fun player and then being Chad. Like, Chad was just, like, he was distracted. Like, he just ate <laughs> up headlines. Like, I I think now, like, looking at what he's done after his career and the way he's working with young players and, like, mentoring them, I think he's calmed down a lot. But, like, oh, man, yeah. he was a pain in the ass. I remember one ESPN headline. They're, they're going to play the Jaguars on Monday night. And there was an ESPN headline that said Chad had a crazy touchdown celebration planned. That's crazy. That's a headline that, oh, Chad has a touchdown a celebration planned, and it's going to be a headline. It turned out to be the CPR one. I mean, I'm all, I'm all for good touchdowns. Oh, it's the but best. But, like, when, like, when you're Chad Johnson leaking that shit to the media for headlines, like, why, dude? Why? It's... That's got a oh man. Like, dude, dude, imagine being in that locker room when he would do that shit. Oh yeah, like I would be pissed, man. It's yeah. like, and it's, it's like, like we're trying to play a game and you're making this all about you. See, that's the thing. It's like if you want to have fun and like have touchdown celebrations and shit, 
do what Zeke did and make it about the fucking, uh, what's the fucking charity with the bell? Salvation Army. Yes! Like, make it about something else or, like, do what the Vikings do and have fun and act like idiots as a team. Don't make it about yourself and don't be, like, don't, don't leak celebrations to the he- to the media. Yeah. To have, like, what the hell? He just leaked that he was going to do one. Yeah, I know. It's like, why, dude? Like, the, I hate to say this because I'm a Bengals fan. I am a huge Juju Smith-Schuster fan. Oh, he's a stud. I love Juju Smith-Schuster. And his touchdown celebrations, he's just a fun kid. Mm-hmm. I am a big fan of that guy. Yeah. And the, his touchdown celebrations are fun. Like, the one that, and I hate to say this, Hootay, please know I'm a Hootay. When him and Le'Veon Bell reenacted the A.J. Green-Jalen Ramsey fight. Oh, that was hilarious. That was so much fun. See, that's like, it's it's just great. And like, I hope that, I think that one, another plus of having Burrow will be that rivalry will have some teeth again. Because it yes. has, let's just be honest, it hasn't been a rivalry in years. Oh, it ha- it's just, it's been the equivalent of the Bengals are like holding on to the Steelers' ankle and just going, just yeah. punching. And the it's Steelers like the, the, the Bengals are Danny time. DeVito and the Steelers are The Rock. And The Rock, <laughs> Danny DeVito is trying to tackle The Rock. Uh, and it's not working. No. The Bengals couldn't tackle the Steelers when they had Doc Hodge as a quarterback. Ugh. That game was so atrocious. So, two seasons ago, I won a full the-work steak dinner at the precinct. No shit. Because I bet my friend, who is a way too, uh, uh, like, not even, like, he's, it, the weird thing with him is, like, he's so, he knows so much about sports but he, like, refuses to admit that the Bengals are awful. Yeah. So, like, I bet him, I was like, I bet you a full-on the work state dinner that the Browns will finish with a better record than the Bengals. <laughs> and I won. And I was like, dude. Was this in 2018? Yes. I actually kind of called uh, the Browns' 2019 season last year. Because there was a, I was working a DJ gig, and some girl came out to me. Because I was wearing an AJ Green jersey at the time. This was, like, week three. She was saying, like, Browns are going to go to the Super Bowl. And I'm like, listen, they're still the Browns. You have to encourage the possibility. Just like the Bengals are still the Bengals. You have to encourage the possibility that the the Browns are going to go 7-9. And And that year, do you know what they went? 7-9. Nope. 6-10. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. I was at the final game, and uh, I was at the last game last year. The Bengals were up by a touchdown. They were about to kick a field goal. And I said out loud to the person next to me, if Randy Bullock makes this field goal... Freddie Kitchens loses his job. <laughs> and they lo and behold. And yeah. he fucking lost his job. God, man. It's just like... That's... The, see, I like Baker Mayfield, but he doesn't have the galaxy ring. Like, he, it's... He's got skills. He's got skills, but, like, that's the difference. It's like, there's so much ego and cockiness there, but, like, it's not even that he doesn't back it up. It's that he doesn't make the rest of his team better. And Odell's ego does not help that. No, not He's got that that Keyshawn Johnson give me the damn ball kind of mentality to him. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. And I mean it sucks for them cuz 2018 me and, I I vividly remember me and Billy were talking and I said I think the Browns are a number 1 receiver away from not only making the playoffs and making a run and then the player that Billy suggested was Odell Beckham. <laughs> we literally called this on the podcast that year and I mean this is when I still remember Beckham's rookie year. Dude, what a monster. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me in fantasy football. Oh, God. Oh, my God. It's, it was unbelievable. Oh, but Beckham, I mean, he was a stud. And I thought, and Browns fans thought when he came over, it's like, 
Browns are going to the Super Bowl. And that's not even the poop metaphor. Like, the Browns are literally going to the Super Bowl. They were the, they were the fucking media's darling. Turns out they're the only the third best team in their own division. Yep. <sighs> Do you think they could be the fourth best team in the division this year? I think... I think they'll be third. I'm not. I don't. I'm not high on the Steelers at all. Oh yeah, good uh, point. Well, I think that Ravens obviously number one. Oh, Ravens, Ravens and Chiefs are going to battle so, it out at the top of the AFC. I think that the Bengals and Steelers will finish within like a game or two of each other. That will not surprise me. So, I th- again, I, it comes down to Big Ben because Mason Rudolph's not the fucking answer. No. So Ravens obviously number one. I think that the Browns are going to be a pretty definitive because I think that with this new regime and with like an actual coach and like I think that things are going to calm down a bit there. I think they the Browns are going to be a pretty definitive two, and then I think the Bengals and the Steelers are going to do the out from three. I well because the Browns get a new fucking system every year, so they don't have stability. No, but they have like an actual NFL guy now. And he so was I, like bless. I have nothing against Freddie Kitchens. He just was not ready for that. Yeah, it should have been Greg Williams. Mm-hmm. Because Stefanski was, what, the OC of the Vikings? Yeah. And he, I mean, fucking brought in his baby boy, Case Keenum, who, do you think, do you think he'll supplant Baker Mayfield? No. I think, I mean, I think there's a chance, but I'm I'm high enough on Mayfield to think that he'll be fine. Mayfield would be, I'm going to look at Mayfield's career the same way I'm going to look at Tim Couch's career. It could go much better if they were on different teams. Well, I think it's too soon to call him. Like, because he had his, like, he has shown flashes of really, like, tremendous football. So did Tim Couch. Yeah. I will go to my grave saying Tim Couch, other than Baker Mayfield, is the best quarterback around I've ever had. I mean, that's not a hot take. He's, the only, say- he's the only quarterback. <laughs> uh, you know who I really wanted to turn out? Johnny Football. I really wanted him to be. Me too, man! Oh, man. God, you know, that was, like, those were some fun Browns teams. Jordan Cameron at tight end. Uh, uh. No Josh one. Gordon was Josh on that? Gordon. Oh, my God. Oh, hold on. Like, I'm running, like, he, he applied for reinstatement today. He, today? Yeah. I hope he doesn't get it at this point. Like, man, I'm rooting for the guy, but, like, I don't think that football is the right environment for him. He clearly, like, how many how many chances does he get? The most. I mean, and... He's incredibly and, talented, and I don't think he's a bad person by any means. It's just, like, it's clear that it's that environment... It's just the power of addiction. That environment doesn't do well for him. Yeah. Like, I don't think it did well for Johnny Manziel either, because no. there were times I watched Johnny Manziel play. He was a fun-ass motherfucker to watch. Yeah. Like, that one play where he was just all alone by himself on the sideline and caught the pass and ran 30 yards downfield. Uh-huh. He wasn't... I mean, all things considered, he wasn't bad. Then he just got caught partying in Vegas, and then boom, he's a, he's a third stringer. Huh? Who did, who did they replace him with? I forget. Was it Hoyer? I think so. That, I'm gonna look that Boy up. the destroyer? <laughs> who's now a fucking patriot? Who's backing up um, Jared Stidham? Do you think? Do you think Stidham's gonna pan out? I don't think that. I don't think that Belichick will be there long enough for that to happen. I think. Yeah, that's a I, good I, call. I don't know enough about Stidham to know that he'll pan out, but I just. No one knows anything about Stidham. But I don't think that Belichick will be there long enough, and it wouldn't surprise me if they brought in Cam Newton still. Yeah, I thought they were going to get Dalton. Uh, yeah, it was Brian Hoyer. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Bel- if if Cam Newton has the right conversation with Belichick and handles that phone call well, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Actually, well, Manziel got benched in 15 and was replaced with uh, the ageless wonder Josh McCown. Yes, what a guy. What a guy. 
What? Like, you uh, know his daughter's the same age as Sam Donald? Josh McCown's daughter? Yeah. Holy shit. That's hilarious. There was one, because Josh McCown, I think, has, like, a shit ton of kids. Yeah. So there was one, like, picture where he gathered all of his kids and had them wear yeah, his yeah. different, all of his different jerseys or yeah. some shit. Or wait, no, I, I don't know if she's the same age. It's either that or she was closer in age to Sam Darnold than McCown was. Either way, that's hilarious. Oh, man. They had a great relationship, though, from what I saw. Menzel right. and Or no, McCown, uh, McCown and Darnold. Yeah. Okay. I'm sweating my balls off. I'm so sorry about it's that. It's fine. No, I'm just saying, like, we should do this again. Yes. And bring uh, microphone. How long are you in town? Uh, until July 8th. Okay. Uh, we'll try to, uh, like, you're moving July 8th to Virginia, correct? Yes. We'll record early next month. All right. So when the... When uh, the Ronies are gone. When the Ronies are gone. Back. I'll talk to Lloyd, see if we can record a little early, um, and then have it... Because we try to have this out by the 14th. Okay. Every month yeah. because of 14 losses and because of Andy huh. Dalton. Sure. Um, let me plug my... Uh, yeah, plug away. Plug my fan back in. Plug that fan. Yep. We usually do plugs at the end, but... Um, yeah, because this is the first uh, episode we've done in a while that has not been at Lloyd Johnson's apartment. Wow. Lloyd's a, yeah, well, I'll talk to, uh, you're, so you're, when, are you moving July 8th morning or say afternoon? Morning. Okay, so we'll probably do it like a week before. Yeah. Like, uh. Sit on it for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. But dude, and, this has been fucking great. Yeah, I tried it. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, because I, I like, I love talking football and. It's uh, hanging out with each other. Ha- hanging out with, with each other. Each other yeah. We only met each other like, like really, like, like again, like a few weeks ago. Yeah. And now it's just been like. Well, it's like Billy and Lee are the kinds of people like if so- if they like if somebody's close with them, like there's just like an inherent like I fuck with that person. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's just fun and Lee and Billy are my two dudes and yeah. I've I've been doing I literally started stand up comedy with Billy before. Like, when I was a freshman at NKU, um, he would, him and two of our old buddies, I don't think either of them really do stand-up anymore. No one does stand-up anymore. But um, they would all pick me up from my dorm at NKU, and they would just go to every just horseshit open mic in northern Kentucky and Cincinnati, and it was fun. It was like my first few bouts at stand-up comedy. I was terrible back then, but weren't we all? Everybody, everybody, whatever you do in life, when you first started, you sucked ass. Oh, a hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Just like, I mean, except for um, people that get handed things their entire lives at football, yeah. which is, like, why... Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston. But, uh... He got handed things his entire life. Yeah. Um, let's do some plugs. Uh, Danny Samick, do you have anything to plug? Kinda. I mean, so, I, have, I haven't announced this on the media, on the social medias yet, but I've been talking about it. So, I got a gig. Why I'm moving to Virginia, I'm going to be an assistant coach handling outfielders and some of the data management at Paul Camp Community College in Virginia. So, I'm going to be a junior college baseball coach. So, I'm going to do that next season until touring comes back. Yep. Um, I have been, I was officially, and I'm now, like, unofficially, just because I want, I believe in him. Uh, this isn't a plug, but just if you live in Kentucky, vote for Charles Booker in your Senate primary. He did a uh, he did an AMN Reddit. Oh yeah, he's a, he's the man, dude. Fucking, I'm on board. Like one of the two AMAs that got upvoted more than mine. Uh, I I'll plug my AMN Reddit, but one of the two AMAs that got upvoted more than mine was of Charles Booker's. Oh, huh. Uh, pull it up. I use Reddit as fun because it's a much more concise app than the actual Reddit app. 
I am Charles Booker, and I'm running for U.S. Senate to defeat Mitch McConnell. Wow. Yeah, it's the top upvoted one of the yeah. last month. Uh, any other plugs? No. Um, plugs for me? Uh, eventually I'll do stand-up comedy. Yes, somewhere. eventually I'll do stand-up. I don't have any shows booked right now. I don't have anything. Uh, so I forgot to address this up front. Um, so what Lloyd and I do at the end of every episode, we say, fuck you, team we're playing this week. We like the Bengals. But since um, we're not playing a team, we decided to, what we decided to do was pick a topic every month that is just universally disliked. COVID-19. COVID-19. And then we say, fuck you, COVID-19. We like the Bengals, but that's not the actual one. So that's how we outro every episode. So I think we only have one thing left to say. Fuck, fuck you, COVID-19. We like, like the, the Bengals. Bengals. Fuck you. We like the Bengals.